My name is Ross, and I'm the pastor up in Big Rapids, Michigan, uh, about an hour north of here. You got rain, we got snow, <laughs> and, uh, and so uh, it was just an, it's been just an honor and a privilege to be asked to be part of ministry here today, and I just want you to know I see it that way, I feel that way, I just feel so honored that, that I have the chance to be here with you. So I hope that as I share tonight, and, and what I feel like the Lord put on my heart is something that speaks to you, because I know it speaks to me. And, uh, and so anyway, I have my uh, amazing wife here, she's in the front row. You want to wave Allison? She's right here. And uh, she keeps me sane, and she, she runs the roost. Um, and, and I'm okay with that. <laughs> but uh, I also, if you weren't here in the morning, I, I brought a picture of my family along. I think they're going to have it here. Here they are. And uh, we have five children, as you can see. Uh, and when we, when we had, I said this in the first service, but not second, but when we had our fifth child, we had five kids that were five years old and younger. Uh, my wife was telling somebody earlier today that she was changing 30 to 35 diapers a day at one point, and I said I might have changed five a day, but, but that's why I love her so much. No, <laughs> I love her for a lot of reasons, but uh, she's amazing. So anyway, uh, again, it's, it's awesome to be here, and, uh, and I know that uh, Pastor Dwayne was gone today, but uh, he's here tonight, so no pressure, Ross. Uh, <laughs> Yay. Hey, hey back there. Great to see you. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, like I said, we went to Israel and, and I already shared some of the things that, that were really profound to me. And, and I want to say this. I said it in one of the services this morning. And if you ever get the chance to go to Israel, you need to go if you can do it. Um, it's, it's definitely worth it. Uh, I know that Pastor Dwayne, they go every, every few years. And if you can get on that train, get on board, all right, because it's worth it. But one of the things that, that was so amazing to me was to see the actual landscape there. Because I've always, I've, I've, been, I've been in church since I was a little kid. I said in, in the morning service, I've been a Christian since I was a fetus, which I think is true, except for I think you have to make a choice to be a Christian. And, uh, and so I, you do. You guys are so quiet tonight. Shake it off a little. Um, but I always imagined Israel being pretty flat, pretty sandy, pretty barren. You, you know, you see all the, all the movies, all the different things that they put on TV or on, at the movie theaters. And, and so I just imagined that. And, and what was incredible was to see how mountainous it was there. It's not flat. It's, there, there's very little flat land. It's all big mountains and huge valleys. And, and what it impressed on my heart was that uh, was really that it wasn't just easy for people to go spread the gospel and to go t teach people about Jesus or show the love of Jesus to people or, or the love of God. It was work. Everybody say work. It was work. These people had to go out and they had to work. They had to want to strap on their sandals. They had to want to carry as much water as they could. They had to want to go and, 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 and introduce people to Jesus and to God's love. And so that just right the very first morning, the very first day, just made me go, wow, we, you know, we have it so easy, right? We can, we can just text somebody the name of Jesus and, and they're healed. No. <laughs> but we could just, we could do whatever. We can connect so easily, and they had to go out, and they had to, they, that, that term that I think Pastor Bernie this, used this morning, we have to go to the highways and the byways. Like, there were no highways or byways back then, but they had to work to get to where they needed to go to, to teach people about Jesus. And so, if you get a chance to go there, that was just the very first moment of the very first day that struck me. And it was like that throughout. Just everything was just eye-opening, so you should go. Uh, tonight, I want to talk about uh, a specific uh, thing that I saw there and relate it to our lives. And, and I want to talk about the Dead Sea. Everybody say the Dead Sea. Dead sea. 
All right, you guys have heard of the Dead Sea before? All right, so, uh, so I want to talk about that, but before I do, let's pray, and let's just again invite God to be part of what we're doing tonight. Father, I thank you for every person that's here. God, you have such a great plan and a purpose for their lives. Lord, you, you created them with value built into them. And Lord, you've given them abilities and talents. And God, I pray that we can inspire people tonight. God, that you will inspire people tonight to get out and to show the love of Jesus to people and to make a difference for your kingdom. And God, speak to us about who we are and about whose we are tonight and lead us. God, give us ears that hear, hearts that understand, and minds that desire to live like you and to live for you. And God, let these words not be mine, but what you need people to hear tonight in Jesus' name. And everybody says, amen. amen. So the Dead Sea, the Dead Sea, it's an interesting place, all right? It's dead, right? Everybody say it's dead. It's dead. All right, so the Dead Sea, yeah, here's, here's just some facts that we learned on the trip about the Dead Sea. How many people have been to the ocean before, okay, a few people. Have you ever tasted the salt water? You get the salt in your mouth, you're like, oh, it's salty. Okay, so the salt, of the, the salt water of the ocean is 3% salt, okay, 3% minerals. The Dead Sea is 33% minerals, okay? So it's, it's a lot more. We, uh, we went swimming in the Dead Sea. It kind of, in, in a way, it's weird. It feels like you're kind of swimming in corn syrup. It's like thick. And, you, and the water was only about this deep where, where we decided to get in. And you, I thought, you know, I'm going to sit down on my rear on the bottom, and then I'll kind of kick my legs out and float. In this deep of water, I couldn't get my rear to hit the bottom, okay? It flo you float so much. And, uh, and there, were, there were people uh, who I wanted won't name who are, lay, who are laying in the water and they're like, watch this. And they're like barrel roll. And they're like spinning and you like spin on the surface. Like you barely even go in the water. And I was like, you would never do that around other people. And uh, so, so the, the sea is real. it's really interesting. Um, every, pretty much everything that touches it uh, dies and nothing can live in it. Uh, the sea itself is 50 miles long. Uh, from north to south, and, it, and it's widest, it's about 11 miles wide. Uh, the sea, though, has a land bridge about two-thirds of the way down the, the lake. It's a lake, really. Um, we're from Michigan, and uh, it's a lake. And, and it's got this land bridge, and they've put dams in this, in this bridge, land bridge so that they can control the, the water level of the southern part of the sea. The southern part of the sea is the area that they mine for all the minerals. And you've probably got salt, you know, on your counter that says Dead Sea salt, right? And it doesn't taste like that. I tasted it. It's horrible, all right? The water tastes like metal. And, uh, and actually, right past our hotel to the south of us, because we were in that southern part, was uh, the Mercedes-Benz factory where they pull titanium out of the, the water and they make, they make the frames of their vehicles out of the titanium they get out of the Dead Sea. So if you drive a Mercedes, you're driving the Dead Sea. And uh, so, uh, so the, the weird thing about the Dead Sea is that many people drown in it every year. It's extremely dangerous to swim in the Dead Sea. And they, they kept telling us on the intercom on the bus, they're like, if you're going to go swimming in the Dead Sea, don't put your head under or you'll die. And so I'm like, I'm pretty sure I'm not going to put my head under the water, right? You're going to die. You're going to die. You're going to die. I'm like, this cannot be real. And so my wife looks it up on her phone. Well, you know, why can't you put your head under the water in the Dead Sea? And, uh, and so what the, the issue is, is that your head is more dense than your legs. And so if you're, in your, if you're in water too deep and you put your head under, your head will sink and your feet will float. And even for an experienced swimmer, you cannot flip yourself over. And, and I was a diver, I, I'm like scuba diver before, and I'm thinking, I kind of want to try this. And, then, and um, people were like, no, you're not. Uh, 
So I stayed in the shallow water, but it was weird. Even in water this deep, it was hard to stand up. It was hard to push your feet to the bottom of the sea. It's crazy. So anyway, this has nothing to do with Jesus. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but don't answer out loud. Just think to yourself. So, you know, maybe you do know, so that's why I don't want you to answer out loud. Is, uh, does anybody know why the Dead Sea is really so salty? It's, it's actually because the salt is found in the rocks in, in the mountains that surround uh, either side of the lake. In fact, the lake is pretty much completely surrounded by very big mountains. When you're on um, the, the Israeli side of the, the Dead Sea, it's like mountains straight up behind you, and you're looking across to the country of Jordan, and there's just nothing but mountains going straight up the other side. It's like there's these huge walls around the Dead Sea. And, uh, and the thing is, when it rains, everything flows downhill into the Dead Sea. And, uh, and, and so the real reason that it's so salty is because from every direction, all the way around the Dead Sea, water brings minerals in, but the water never flows out. There's no river going out of the Dead Sea. You see, if there was an outlet for water to continue to the ocean, it would drastically change the salinity of the lake because when it would rain, the waters would be high, the mineral would be in the top, and it would flow out the river, uh, out of a river much, much more readily, but it doesn't. Um, so it's led to the lake being super high in, in salt content and mineral content, so much that nothing can live. So what is my point? My point is more of a question for you tonight, and so this is where I relate it to something, is, uh, is are you a dead sea? Are you a dead sea? You know, a lot of people live today with a dead sea mentality. They want their lives to be full. They want to receive everything. You know, people like this, they want to receive everything that they, they can get. They go to every conference. They go to every church service, every prayer meeting. They go to every worship session. They go to everything they can because they just want to receive and receive and receive, and they want to hold on to it all. They want to, like, build up. Like, the, a lot of Christians, I feel like, think that, that the more they can pour into themselves, the more mature they'll be, the, the deeper they'll be in their relationship with God and all of that stuff. But, uh, but, but let me explain something to you. You know, there's that law of, of gravity, right? Everything that goes up must come down. Okay, as a parent, you learn everything that goes in must come out, right? If you've ever changed a diaper, you know what I'm talking about. Whatever goes in has to come out. And, and, and this is the thing. If, if a person continues to consume and consume and consume, let's talk about food. If you eat and eat and eat and eat and you never have what we will call tonight output, um, you will do what? You'll, you'll explode. Wow. That, that's, that's not what I was expecting to hear. Um, but okay. Uh, if you only ever consume, you will die. You will die. You have, you have to let things out. A person who only consumes eventually dies. And, and I want to take this now from the physical to the spiritual. If all you ever do is consume faith, your faith will eventually die. Don't take my word for it. You could take James's word for it. James, by the way, who is the brother of Jesus, so at some point he had to say, I think my brother is God, okay? And so this is what he writes about this whole thing. James 2.14, he says, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no what? 
we'll call it output, okay, but <laughs> it has no deeds. Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food, and if one of you says, says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? Verse 17, I didn't say it, the brother of God said it. He said, in the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, by output, is it's dead. I didn't say it. James said it. And it was inspired by God. So if all you ever do is consume faith, consume spiritual things, you can read the word all day long, but if you never have any output, your faith literally, the, the Bible says, will die. And, and what you think, well, why is that? Because I know a lot of people live in this way. I know a lot of people live in, like, I'm just going to consume everything I can from God, and I'm just going to let it build up in me, right? And, but, but why is it that, that your faith will, will die if this happens? Because if, if your faith is always about me, 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 and what I can get out of it, and what, I, what God's going to give me, what he's going to do for me, what he's going to do, is eventually you're going to run into hardship, Everybody does. The Bible even says it in my own, in, in Ross, the Ross, the RSV, the Ross's version, Ross Shear version of the Bible, okay, is, is that, that everybody, including Christians, including followers, everybody runs into hard times. You can find that in scripture and revelation and Rossellation. And, um, see, if you run into hardship in your life and there comes a point where you ask the question, why God? Your faith is dead. Because that's not faith anymore. If you have to, if you if you're if you're asking the question, now I'm not saying it's wrong to question because it digs it helps you to dig into the word, but what I'm saying is that if faith is all about you and what you get out of it, eventually it's gonna die. This is the case with the Dead Sea. This is the case that will happen with you. So not to mention this, this is really interesting, is that because the water doesn't flow out of the Dead Sea, the minerals have just been like building up on the bottom and it's been filling. Um, so like I said, Jordan is, is across the, the sea or the lake from where we were at and they're in the southern part of the lake they've built these land bridges Okay, and because the minerals just keep building up and they needed to like, like clear out some of the area so that the water could come down for these mineral plants. So they built these roads across. And I thought it would be a great idea to go for a jog towards Jordan where they hate Christians and people like me. And so I'm like, I'm going to run out. I'm just going to see how far I can go across this bridge. So I ran two and a half miles across the, across the place. And I'm finally like, I'm going to come over a little rise and there's going to be a guy with a gun there and I'm going to not come home. And I'm like, I'm going back. Like, but, but what was amazing is I'm two and a half miles out into the sea and I'm looking on each side of the land bridge and it's this deep. It's this deep. And I would challenge you, I'm just going to say it today, that, that faith that's all about you will always be shallow. And you can say that you're growing depth, that you're getting deeper in the word, that you're getting deeper in those things. But if there's no output, all that stuff's just going to build up and you're just going to be shallow. And you're never going to see what, you're never going to experience what Jesus really taught, which is, by the way, two things. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. I think I added one of one because that song says that. And then number two is pour out loves to others, right? Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says, love others the way that I have loved you. Like, what part of that is all about me, 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 mine, mine, mine? 
what I get out of it. So, so what does that look like? How do we get to a place where we're living what Jesus taught, where it's love the Lord and love other people? Well, um, let, let me explain this real quick. The Dead Sea has no outgoing rivers because it is the lowest point of elevation for a lake in the entire world. Okay, there is not a place, there's not a lake on the planet that's at a lower elevation. And I don't know if you knew this, but Jericho, the city of Jericho, is right off the edge of the northern part of the sea. From Jericho, you can see the, the Dead Sea. And so uh, it's pretty neat there. That, that there's a sign that said Jericho is the lowest place on the world, in the world, so like city, so we'll just go with it. Um, but but the, the Dead Sea has no rivers out because there's no, there's no lower place for water to go. And on all sides, it has these huge mountains, again, that look like walls around it, and there's nowhere for water to go. And I think this looks like so many of us. It's like we have, we have built walls up around our lives so high that no matter how much water would flow in through the Jordan River, through the, through the river of life through, from God, right, that, that no matter how much he would pour into us, we just keep building the walls higher and higher and higher and making more and more excuses about why we can't have any of it flow out. I'm not good enough. I haven't, you know, I, I've, I've made too many mistakes. I'm not good at speaking, said Moses, right? There, I, like, there's, there's so many different reasons we make, and we just keep building these walls up higher and higher. And no matter how much we get in, no matter how much we pour in, no matter how much we, effort we put in and God puts into our lives, we, we, we can never get to a place where we allow God to pour out. There's a scripture in Psalm 23. It says this. It says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My what? My cup overflows. It overflows. You need to overflow. And if you're not overflowing, you're not living. If our walls keep going up, we make it impossible. Think about it. Why does a river flow out of a lake? It's because at some point the water level gets high enough that it reaches the lowest edge of the lake and it pours over. Every parent who's had bath time understands what I'm talking about. My upstairs bathroom is flooded every single week, right? And, and, and I, I remember growing up on a lake. I grew up in Gaylord, and my parents still live on this lake up north. And Growing up my whole life, there's the, the bank of the lake is really a huge drop-off. So like, if I was standing up on the shore, the front of the stage like this would go down to the water, but maybe double this high, okay? And it's way down there. And it's been that way my whole life. I've never experienced the water up high, but if, at one point it was really up high. And I've talked to some people who lived there, you know, when I was a kid, they had already lived there for 30 years. And they remember when the lake water level was so high that out of the south end of the lake, there was a river flowing out. And that there's a whole chain of lakes connected to this river, but the water has dropped so low that it doesn't overflow out. We need overflow. How, how do we get to a point? Well, when we have a spot in our life where the, wa where the water can flow out, where what God is pouring into us can pour out, we, we need that in our lives. And, and, and this is interesting. I think part of the reason we don't overflow is because we want to control where the water's going to go. Let me explain that. I think we want, we want to say, well, I want to only reach that person. And usually it's a family member or somebody like that that we're really passionate about, right? Somebody who really needs to know the Lord. But what, where does water flow out of, a, out of a lake or out of a cup? or out of, It flows down. You know there are people all around you who are at a lower place than you are, and they need to be filled up. And they need somebody to allow it to flow out of them into them or out of, out of you into them. 
But we got to allow it to happen. And we, get a need, we need to let go of control and allow God to be in control. Amen? So, so you following me tonight? I'm trying. Is it hot in here? It's hot up here. Woo-hoo-hoo. I feel like I'm in Florida. My wife wore short sleeves tonight. I'm happy. But uh, if you're not following me, let me just read you another one, okay? This is, not, this is the, by a guy named Matthew, okay? Uh, it's in uh, Matthew 12, 34. It's the last part of this scripture. It says, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of, right? You've heard it, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. But, but out, of, out of what? Out of abundance, right? Out of overflow. Whatever your heart is full of is eventually going to come out because what goes in must come out, right? And, and again, if we keep things in our hearts too long, too much, they lead to death. And, and I would challenge you that even keeping good things in your heart will lead to heartbreak or to death as well. Think about it. If you keep bitterness in your heart, bad things, it builds up enough. Who's it hurt? It doesn't hurt them. It hurts you, right? But if you let love build up in your heart and build up and build up, and you're like, wait, love? You let, it leads to heartbreak. You ever hear somebody, I got so much love to give, nobody to give it to, right? <laughs> and we laugh, but it's true. We get to a point where we're completely at heartbreak because we feel like we don't, we, we're not fulfilled because we don't have anywhere to let love overflow out, right? We, we, need to, we need to let things flow out. We can't just have things build up like faith without works. It's dead. So, so how do we build up to overflow? And this is really where I'm, I'm going to tonight. How do you do it? Because I think it's, it's important that you leave going, I know how to do it, right? So how do you do it? This is a crazy thought. It's completely backwards to the way that most people think. The way to begin to be filled to overflowing in your life is to pour out just a little bit at first. Okay, so pour just a little bit out. Now, let me read you a scripture, and before you get up and walk out, let me explain. Malachi 3.10, you've heard this before. Bring the whole tithe. What is the tithe? How much of your, your income? Just a little bit, right? Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And, and he says, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much. Turn to your neighbor and say, so much. No, say it like me. So much. So much. Pour, you guys need to get some energy in this place. I had seven cups of coffee today. See if I will not open up the floodgates, the overflow that I will pour out so much blessing that will not even be enough room to store it. That's overflow. That's abundance. So how, how do you get moving from a place of emptiness to overflow? You go, I don't even have anything to pour out. Yes, you do. You got just a little bit. Just pour out a little bit. And then watch what God will do. You know this, I know this, you've heard it everywhere. It's the only place in the Bible that God says, test me. And we think that this is all about tithing, but this isn't everything. This isn't everything. You want love, you gotta pour out a little bit of love. You want relationship, you gotta pour out a little bit of relationship. You want, you want financial uh, overflow? I'm, the Bible says, test me, you gotta pour out a little bit financially. Ooh, like I said, don't walk out on me. But it's true. We've got we to pour out a little bit. Pouring out produces increase. And this is why people don't pour out in the first place. This is why people build those walls up. They're, they're so afraid that if they pour out what they have, they might not have any more. But God's concept is, if you pour it out, I'll pour it in. You pour it out, I'll pour it in. 
This, this concept refers to actual physical things in life. Anybody have a well at their house? I don't know. We're in Grand Rapids. Probably nobody has a well in their house. Up by us, everybody has a well in there. Okay, so if you have a water pump that runs your well and, and, the, and the, the line, the intake line is dry, you can turn that engine on, you can run it all you want, but it won't suck up any water and you won't have water in your house. In order to create suction in the line for it to pull water up out of the well, you gotta pour a little bit of water in the line. And once you pour a little bit of water in the line, you turn that engine on, it creates suction, you can have water for the rest of your days but you got to pour a little bit out first. It works in every situation. You know that song? Give a little bit, give a little bit of love to me. You know the next line? And the world, sing it, and the world will be a... Even the writers of that song knew if we just give a little bit that it would change the whole world. I mean, come on, right? I mean, if we just give a little bit. It's because in order to move toward overflow in your life, you have to start somewhere. And most of us just don't start. We just don't go for it. I think that we could start today. I think you could start today. Let me change the wording a little bit to drive this home, and I'll wrap up here pretty quick. You need to move your heart from being a consumer to being a contributor. Let's make it simple for you. You need to move from being a consumer to a contributor. Don't be a dead sea. I think the band was going to come back up. I don't know where they're at, but hey, band. Hey, there they come. All right. Interestingly, uh, about an hour and a half, maybe not that far, we'll just say an hour and a half, straight north of the dead sea is another sea. The Sea of Galilee is about an hour and a half north of the Dead Sea. And now I did some research, and it's, it's interesting. The river that pours water into the Dead Sea is the Jordan River. Have you ever heard of it? Okay. The river that pours water into the Sea of Galilee is the Jordan River. Okay. Water flows from the, the north into the Sea of Galilee, out of the Sea of Galilee, to the Dead Sea. This is incredibly important to understand. The rocks and the mountains that surround the Dead Sea are minerally the same as the rocks and the mountains that surround the Sea of Galilee. At the very bottom of the Sea of Galilee, you find some salt. We rode on a boat on the Sea of Galilee. We pulled up to the dock. Now, you don't know me at all, but uh, I might like to fish more than Pastor Dwayne. And I saw a guy fishing, and I thought, I want to go down there. He had one of those little baskets that we put bluegills in, you know, like those guys do. Sort of, I don't know why they do that. They're going to kill the fish at the end anyway. Um, but, but they want to keep them alive as long as possible. And so this guy pulls it out. It's just full of fish. That lake is full of life. It's got tons of fish in it. It's got weeds growing. It's, it's got trees growing around it. It's got roots from trees going down into the water. But the ground around it and the bottom of that lake is made up of the same thing as the Dead Sea. There's only one difference. It's that the Sea of Galilee has a river flowing out of it as well as flowing into it. What sea do you want to be? This is a perfect example, a perfect example 
of what the word tells us we should be. You can go ahead and start whenever you want, Ken. We should, we should be pouring out just like God is pouring into our lives. And that real life, remember what Jesus said? He, he said, I, I am life, right? I'll, I'll give you life and life more overflow, right? I, will, I, I, I'm come, I have come to bring you life and life more abundantly. All the people are a bunch of dead seas. The Jewish people back in that day, they were all about what they were going to get out of faith. It was all about them being holy, them fulfilling this, them, 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 them. It was not about what God's ultimate plan was for the world or anything like that. You look in the Old Testament and you watch as kings have prophets and have, have people who connect with God and tell them what to do and tell them where to go. And every conversation always seems to center around me, 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 mine, 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 what I get out of it. And then Jesus shows up and he says, it has nothing to do with what you get out of it. It has to do with what God gets out of it by you pouring out to other people. Be the Sea of Galilee. Don't be the Dead Sea. Don't allow things to, to put walls up around your life to keep you from, from allowing God's love to pour out of you. And you've got reasons. You've got reasons. I've got reasons. People ask me, when, when they ask me to be the pastor, because I'm, I'm a pretty young guy and I've been the pastor already up there for six years. When they asked me, I was 28 years old, and I was like, ah, no, I don't want to be the pastor. Are you crazy? And they're like, we think the Lord's leading us towards you. I was like, God, I think the Lord's leading you somewhere else. And they're, they're like, no, would you pray about it? I was like, nope, don't need to pray about it. I don't want to do it. <laughs> it ain't going to happen. And they would ask me why. I'm too young. I don't know enough. I was a worship leader. I just want to play my guitar, please. And then I finally decided to pray about it and God opened my heart up to it. And now I, I would rather do this than anything else, but I'm not the guy who ever wanted to be on stage trying to pour out and lead other people like this, ever. I remember I moved to Florida and Pastor Dwayne's still in here, so I'll mention him again. My wife and I, we moved to Florida and I said, I'm gone. He goes, no, you're not. And I was like, yeah, I am. He goes, you'll be back. And I was like, no, I won't. And sure enough, here the Lord, the Lord lays out our plans, right? He plans our steps. The Lord has planned your steps. He's got great purpose in mind for you. He's got direction for you. He's already placed people around you that he wants you to pour love out to. You just have to be willing to say, hey, I'm gonna lower those walls because I know God knows I'm good enough. God knows you're good enough. I know you're good enough and I don't even know you. But I know that in every circumstance, in every situation, God has created a place for you to overflow. And as you do, he'll fill you even further. Why don't we bow our heads real quick? Father, we're here in this place tonight. and Lord, we love to be in the presence of your Holy Spirit. God, we love to know that you're leading us. Lord, we love to know that you care about us. We love to be filled. We love that. And, and there's a part of our faith, God, that is, that is a fill-me-up faith, like I want as much as I can get kind of faith. But God, I pray that tonight we don't forget that the point of being full is to get to a place of overflow, to get to a place where we're able to pour out 
your love on other people. So God, I pray that you'll speak to some of us who've built walls up, who've made it nearly impossible. Lord, you're the God of the impossible. So we pray that you begin to break down walls and break down barriers in our lives, things that have got us saying we're not good enough or we're not smart enough or or people don't like us enough or we don't have it going on the way that other people do. God, I just pray that, that you'll help break down those barriers and help us to realize the whole point of living The whole point of having the life that you provide is to show love to other people and to see your kingdom come. So God, I just ask tonight that people will receive that. That they'll receive and accept the fact that they're valuable, that they're loved, and that they have a purpose. We praise you, God just with everybody's eyes still closed. I wasn't going to do this, but I, I just feel like the Holy Spirit's prompting me to do this tonight. If you're here and you know that you're far from God, you know that your life doesn't line up with what Jesus teaches, with what God teaches. Maybe you don't love the Lord your God with all your heart. Maybe you know you're not a loving person. Maybe you know you've got some kind of sin in your life that's been bondage or a barrier for you. Tonight, I want to just tell you that you can't break that on your own. You can't change that, but Jesus can. Like those people who stood in the Colosseum, you don't have to fear the next step of your life. You You can know that you're valued, that you're surrounded by God, and that you have Jesus, and Jesus is the one who brings life. Jesus is the one who changes situations. Jesus, the name of Jesus is the one that breaks chains. You need Jesus tonight. So if you're here and you know you need Jesus, I'm not even going to make you raise your hand or ask you to do anything like that. I'm just going to say to you that the Bible's so clear. There's two things you need to do. You need to believe in your heart that he's God. You need to believe. You need to know that he's God. You You need to choose to follow him. And you need to live according to his word. And if that's you, if you could, in your heart, you know you want to do that. You know that you can believe in him. Then you just need to confess it with your mouth. You just, I don't need to leave you. You just need to, in your heart right now, in your mind, in your, with your voice, you need to say, I believe God and I make you Lord of my life. I want to live your life. I don't want to live this life on my own. I want to overflow the way that you want me to. I want to be used the way that you want me to. So just lead me. You just need to start talking with God and create a conversation with him that says, hey, you're in control. You're on the throne of my life. Father, again, I thank you for tonight. I thank you for your Holy Spirit and your presence in this place. And so, God, we just ask that as we go out from here, you will motivate us and inspire us to move when you say move, to pour out when you say pour out. And, Lord, that as we do that, you, that you will continue to fill us and bring fulfillment and purpose and destiny to our lives. We praise you. We thank you in Jesus' name. And everybody says.